Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. Amen. Well, here we go. How many of you are ready for the Word of God this morning? All right. Well, we are kicking off a Christmas series. It is hard to believe that we are already at Christmas. It feels like 2020 has been like seven Christmases already. I mean, this has been the longest year ever, but somehow it feels really strange to be sitting here kicking off a Christmas series. But that's what I want to do today. I want to kick off a brand new series that we're simply calling The Long-Awaited Hope. We're taking the time for the next four weeks to really grab a hold of the greatest hope that we could ever truly discover. You see, the word of the year for 2020 for Encounter Church, if you've only been here a short time, the word for 2020 was the word hope. Now, this word was not given out of result of a pandemic. It wasn't given out of the result of division amongst our nation. It wasn't given as a result of election results or whatever. It was a a word that was given to us by God fall of 2019, before we even knew of any of this COVID-19, before we even knew about the unrest, before we even knew about all the outside forces pressing up against us. God knew beforehand, isn't that awesome? God knew what we would face in 2020, and he said, here's what I want to lay in your lap. Here's what I want to give to you. There's a hope available. There is something, or for us, someone that we can cling to that will not crumble beneath us. But here we are, 12 months into this year, nine months into a pandemic, and we're still searching for hope. 2020 has certainly been an interesting year. One like not a single one of us has ever encountered before. So as we enter into this Christmas season, this most wonderful time of the year, what do we do about the outside forces that are pressing against us, attempting with all of their might to push aside true hope and replace it with division And even fear. You see, we have the same opportunity to connect with true hope that Mary, the mother of Jesus, Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, the shepherds, the wise men, or even a man by the name of Simeon, which we'll talk about this morning, have the opportunity to connect with. You see, God has not left us without hope. He hasn't left us without someone to hold on to, to cling to. In fact, our text today is found in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. And it says this, For the grace of God has been revealed. Would you say that with me this morning? For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all People. Now, why is that word all so important? Because it includes every single one of us. There's not a person in this room, 
There's not a person watching online this morning. There's not a single individual that you come across at work or in your social life that doesn't need the grace of God. And the great thing about the grace of God, it has been given, made available to every single one of us, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with, here's the word, hope. We live amongst all the chaos, all of the uncertainty, all of the fear, all of the division, all the wickedness of this world. We live among that while remaining connected to, devoted to God. And in that moment, we move forward with hope. We look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. Now, it's important that we take the time to really understand the context. Uh, let me just kind of share with you for a moment. Anytime you're reading the Word of God or, or you hear a scripture, make sure that you understand the context of what's happening in and around that verse. You can pull out any scripture in the Bible, and if you take it out of context, you can make it mean anything you want, right? So it's very important that we truly understand the context of what's happening behind a section of scripture. Um, that's why I give you notes every week. Maybe you grab the paper copy on the way in or go to the church app or go to the YouVersion app. Go someplace, grab the notes. Every scripture that I give you this morning, that I share with you this morning, is going to be written down in those notes. Take some time and really process through those. But it's important that we take the time to understand the context of what's happening around verses. Paul is writing here to Titus, who is a Greek believer that's very busy sharing the goodness of Jesus Christ to the people on the island of Crete. Now, here's the problem. The people of Crete were not great people. In fact, some would say that the people on the island of Crete were not even good people. One of their prophets, one of their very own, said this about them. The people of Crete are all liars, cruel animals, and lazy gluttons. Wow, those are great people. How would you like that if someone said, wow, the people of Pettis County, the people of Johnson County, the people of Benton County, the people of Saline County, or whatever county you happen to live in, those people, those guys, they are just all liars. Every single one of them are liars. They're cruel animals. They're just lazy gluttons. That's rough, isn't it? But that's what was happening on the island of Crete. So you can imagine with me this morning that Titus was experiencing, quite honestly, 
much like what we're experiencing today. There was disunity. There was immorality, false teaching, and ultimately a lack of real hope. Does that sound familiar? Titus had found himself a bit discouraged, and maybe maybe that's where you find yourself today. This is supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas songs are playing everywhere. Everyone's got lights up and decorations up, and everybody's making Christmas cookies. We made our first Christmas cookies yesterday. I ate most of them. The most wonderful time of the year, yet we sit back and we find ourselves desperate in need of a long-awaited hope. Even though we try to push it to the side, even though we try to mask something over the front, it's still there. Deep on the inside of us is a need, a longing, a void for a hope to fill the emptiness. Can I just remind you this morning that that hope it's been revealed, it's been brought and made available. Salvation is here for every single one of us. A hope is available for every one of us today. So as Paul stated in Titus chapter 2 in our text today, the grace of God has been revealed in Jesus Christ so we are to hold on to a hope that's not based upon situations. It's not based upon circumstance. It's not based upon self or anyone else around us. But we are to hold on to a hope that is founded and completely solid upon Jesus Christ. For many of you, 2020 has thrown you for a loop. There are some of you that are in the room today, some of you that are watching online today that in the midst of 2020, you have lost your job, maybe temporarily, maybe permanently. Some of you have been quarantined more times than you could even count. Others have yet to return to any form of normalcy because of a compromised immune system. There are those that are watching right now that have yet to return to church because of the potential of getting sick. There are others that are consumed with fear of what might happen to our nation. But let me remind you of something this morning I shared with you in, on our vision casting service back in January of this year. A great song of the church says, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. My hope is not built upon whether the vaccine comes out. My hope is not built upon how the election results end up. My hope is not built upon how everything falling in line the way I think I should be or it should be. But my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. 
The grace of God has been revealed to every single one of us. Salvation has been made available to every single one of us. It doesn't matter how hard you try or how settled you become. Nothing will truly change your life or the lives of those around you, listen carefully, until you give it all to God. Let me say that in. Let's say that again. Some of you need to let that sink in. Nothing will truly change in your life or in the life of those around you until you give it all to God. Why? Because He is our only true source of hope. Look what the psalmist had to say in Psalm chapter 42. He says, why am I discouraged? Have you ever asked yourself that? Maybe, maybe Thanksgiving was a rough time for you this year. Maybe there were a lot of changes. Maybe a loss of a loved one or something transpired. And, and this holiday season is just kicking you in the tail. And you're asking yourself right now, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad. And then the psalmist goes on to say this. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. My Savior and my God. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? And then it's almost like a light bulb comes on in his life. Suddenly everything is illuminated. The light of Jesus, the the hope of God settles in and he realizes that all these things around me, they can't bring about encouragement for a long sustained period of time. They can't bring about a joy because the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh, they may bring temporary happiness, but it's not going to last. See, the only source of hope, the only source of real joy is when we turn to God. He says, I will praise him again. He's my Savior. He is my God. There are times that each one of us, every one of us, need to speak to that situation. We've got to learn to take authority over the discouragement and the distress of life. Rather than letting it beat on us over and over and over again, we've got to speak to that situation and say, not today. I'm going to stand upon the hope that's founded upon Jesus Christ. I'm going to stand upon the hope that was revealed through the grace of God. I'm going to stand upon a hope that can't be shattered, that can't shift, that won't leave, but it's always there. I'm going to stand upon the hope that is solid in Jesus Christ. My hope, my hope is found in nothing less than Jesus Christ. The price that he paid on the cross of Calvary. My long-awaited hope, as I stated a moment ago, is not based upon a vaccine. It's not based upon a time when everything is running just as I think it should run. 
But the long-awaited hope that I have was revealed through Jesus Christ. It's time for the church to rise to the occasion. It's time for the church to begin to proclaim the hope of Jesus Christ. We live in a world, we live in a culture that's longing for something. They're longing for something just to hold on to. Let me share something with you I shared with you many months ago. If people can't find hope, hope must find them. We, the church, the follower of Christ, we must be the funnel in which the hope of God flows. To step out of the pits of despair. To move into the light of Jesus Christ. To move into the hope that honestly is waiting for us today. How do I know it's waiting for us? Because our text says the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. So that hope is waiting for us. It's already been brought to us. It's laying before us. All we have to do is grab a hold of it. See, Jesus Christ, when he came 2,000 years ago, he didn't just show up on the scene so that we could have Christmas and exit the scene so we could have Easter. But Jesus came to this earth with the sole purpose of dying a criminal's death on the cross for you and for me so that we could have hope. The good news is he didn't stay in the grave. He rose from the grave. He sits at the right hand of the Father awaiting the day that he can return to get us, to take us, to be with him for all eternity. That's our blessed hope. That's the moment we're moving toward. That's ultimately our long-awaited hope. But what do we do in the meantime? We hold tightly to the amazing hope we have in Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, our grace giver, our provision, ultimately our hope. So for the next few moments this morning, I want to look at a section of the Christmas story that oftentimes we overlook. Um, it doesn't happen um, in the move into Bethlehem. It doesn't happen the night of the birth and the shepherds coming in. It has nothing to do with the wise men. It actually happens about a week after Jesus' birth. Let, let me read this to you. Luke chapter 2, verse 25 says, At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. In other words, he was waiting for a long-awaited hope. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. The day of the Lord led him to the temple so when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby, Jesus, to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He looked at the child, took the child in his arms, and praised God, 
saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nation. He is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what had been said about him. Very quickly this morning, I want to look at three actions to receive God's hope. Are you ready for that this morning? Very quickly, three action steps. Number one, eagerly pursue God-given hope. Eagerly pursue your God-given hope. Again, verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. He was eagerly waiting. There was a a pursuit in his heart. There was a longing in his life. God had promised him he would not die until he saw the Lord's Messiah. Here's what happens. Simeon is there. He's righteous. He's a devout follower of God. In other words, his life reflected the passion that he had for God. He truly lived what he spoke. And that got me thinking, can that be said about us today? Do we truly live what we speak? If someone was to describe you today and they were to be writing an article of some sort, would they say John was righteous and devout? He was a follower of God. Would they say Sally was righteous and devout? She was a follower of God. Can it be said about you that you live, your life reflects what you speak? Now let's skip back to our earlier story with Titus, to our text. Titus was facing just the opposite with the church of Crete. Those in Crete were anything but righteous. They were anything but devout. Even within the walls of the church, there were quote-unquote believers that were teaching false doctrine. There were others that were abusing grace. It appeared that the spiritual corruption of Crete was infiltrating its way into the church. And get this, the followers in the church loved it. Wow. That's dangerous ground, folks. The, the, the sin of the world, the, the falsehoods of the world were creeping into the church and those within the church were embracing that. That's a problem. In fact, honestly, this is an issue that can be seen in the corporate church of America. People live in a life that is in direct opposition to the things of God, and yet it's glorified. It's promoted. Simeon understood this. He understood the importance of a consistent life in Christ. Now Paul and Titus, he 
encourages us, he challenges us to eagerly pursue God's hope. Let's take a look at what Titus says. Titus chapter 2. It says, as for you, Titus, Paul is writing here, promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Let me pause there for a moment. Promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. What sort of living are you promoting by what you reflect? By how you respond, by the life that you live, by the words that you speak, by the actions that you take. What are you reflecting in your life? Teach the older men to exercise self-control. To be worthy of respect, to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. And oftentimes in today's culture, we think, well, when I can get old, I can just be cranky. I can just say whatever I want. Right? But Paul says the older you get, the more you need to reflect the goodness of God. Let's go on. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be, and be pure, to work in the home, to do good, to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. In the same way, encourage young men to live wisely. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and the seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. With each group of people, Paul lays out a result. He says, this is going on, and then this will take place. Did you know that everything you do in life, there's a cause and effect response? If you do this, then this will happen. If you do that, then that will happen. And here, Paul says, older women, younger women, and older men... Live in a way that honors God, love one another, honor God, do good. The list goes on and on and on, and here's the result. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. So I don't know where you classify yourself today, older woman, younger woman, older man. Some of you are like, I'm not an older man. In fact, I had to really pause for a moment as I'm reading this, and I thought, where do I stand in that? It depends on who you ask. You ask my staff, and they say, I'm the older man. Don't say amen. <laughs> you're just supposed to say, no, pastor, you're a young guy still. Thank you, Andy. Appreciate that. Because we're, let's talk about the younger men. What are the younger men to do? 
He says, let me find it here in my notes. Younger men, live wisely. Come on, Andy, live wisely. Be a good example. Be kind, model integrity, and the seriousness of God's word, and teach the truth. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. I wonder, are we eagerly pursuing our God-given hope? Or are we just drawing at straws and hoping for the best? You see, to eagerly pursue something, it requires dedication. It requires determination in our parts. Simeon, he was eagerly pursuing his God-given hope. Here, Paul is writing to Titus. He says, man, pursue this God-given hope by the lifestyle that you live, by what you do, by what you reflect in life. But then there's a second action step. Follow the Holy Spirit's lead. Follow the Holy Spirit's lead. Look at Simeon. It says the Holy Spirit was upon him. He didn't just say he knew of the Holy Spirit. He didn't just say he was familiar with the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit was upon him. In other words, he had so been in the presence of God that the Holy Spirit radiated on his life. So how do we come to the place of allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us? Well, whether you realize it or not, there is an enemy that's pushing and prodding to take control of your life every single day. And truth be told, something is going to lead you. Either God or the enemy. One or the other. I mean, sometimes, well, no, pastor, come on. I just kind of go through my, no, something is going to steer you. Something is going to lead your life. And Romans chapter 8, verse 5 says this, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, in other words, those that are led by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. How do I know that? Because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So the payment, what we receive for a lifestyle of sin, what we have earned because of a lifestyle of sin is death or ultimate separation from God Almighty. But then he goes on to say, but letting the Spirit control your life your minds, leads to life and peace. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, that's our long-awaited hope, the free gift of God is eternal life. That's hope. That's life. That's peace. If you have yet to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to lead your life, I want to challenge you today, this Christmas season, to stop trying to do it on your own. Give it to God and watch what He does. I believe that it's so foolish of a Christian to walk through their Christian life with only two-thirds 
of the Godhead. We're so familiar with God Almighty. We sing songs about Him. We, we pray to God. We know a lot about Jesus. We have Christmas and Easter and all these things. We talk about Jesus. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we don't allow Him to have a major role in our lives, if any role at all. But Paul lays it out pretty clear in verse 14 of Romans 8. He says, for all who are led by the spirits of God are what? Children of God. All that are led by the spirit of God are children of God. The moment we allow the spirit to lead our lives, why are we identified as children of God? Because suddenly our thoughts are now in line with his thoughts. Our dreams and our aspirations are now aligned with his dreams and his aspirations. Suddenly we're beginning to walk the path that pleases God. Suddenly our reflection, what we're reflecting in life represents Jesus Christ. That those around us, they sense something different about our life. There's a, there's a new skip in our step. There's a new joy in our walk. There's a new love in our voice. Those that are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So if we want to grab a hold of this long-awaited hope, we've got to eagerly pursue our God-given hope. We've got to follow the Holy Spirit's leading. And number three, begin to see life through God's eyes. Begin to see life through God's eyes. It's so easy to see life through our situation. Tainted Though it may be, it's so easy to see it through the difficulty that we face. It's so easy to see life through our struggles, through our friends, through our shortcomings, through our hurts. But why not begin to see life through the eyes of the one that controls it all, through the one that holds it in his hands? That's what Simeon chose to do. He chose to see life through the eyes of God. Look what he said in verse 31. I have seen your salvation which you have prepared for all people. Simeon says, I've been waiting for this moment. I've been longing for this hope. And now, now I have seen your salvation. Now I have grabbed a hold of this hope that you made available to me. The good news for us, it's available for every one of us. As we approach this most wonderful time of the year, why not begin to see life through the lens of God? Let me remind you again of our text. Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God has been revealed. Bringing salvation to all people. For we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasure. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope 
to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. If we will truly begin to see life through the eyes of God, we will quickly notice that God is revealed, that salvation is available to all, that there is, in fact, a great hope. Even in the midst of the chaos of 2020, there is a hope. So where is that hope? It's built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It's freely given yet must be received so we are called we are called to make the needed adjustments to begin to move forward to the long awaited hope even though we live in a society that is consumed with fear consumed with sin consumed with anything and everything against God we are called to live with wisdom and righteousness and devotion to God. To cling to our long-awaited hope rather than the despair that's all around us. Would you pray with me today? God, we need you. Lord, if we were honest today, we would have to say that what the world is throwing our direction makes this really hard. It's so easy to, to fall toward the negative. It's so easy to become enslaved or entrapped by the chaos and the fear. But today... Lord, we understand, we realize that this long-awaited hope, it's already been revealed. All we need to do is accept it. To allow it to lead and guide our lives. Lord, speak to us right now. Church, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, you're here today. You say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life. He's the hope that I've been missing. He's the void that I've got right now in my life. I need Jesus to come in to forgive me, to be my Lord and be my Savior. If that's you today, would you raise your hand? Would you let me pray with you? Yeah, there's one. One, is that you? There's no better time than right here, right now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is your time. Are there others? Is that you? Maybe you're here today and, and you say, Pastor, I've just been struggling I've been struggling to grab a hold of hope. I've been really tilted toward negative or discouragement or despair, struggle. 
2020 has been a rough time for me, but I want to grab a hold of this hope that Jesus has made available to me. I want to eagerly pursue that today. If that's you, would you raise your hand? It's okay to admit this. Yeah, there's one. There's two. Are there others? It's okay. There's three. There's four. get everyone to stand all across the house. Prayer partners, leaders in the room, if you will come right now at this point and line the front of the room. In just a moment, the worship team is going to begin to lead us in this song. If you raised your hand today, or maybe you, you know that you should have, but for some reason you didn't, the moment our worship team begins to lead, in this, lead us in this song, I'm going to ask you to leave your seats. I'm going to ask you to come and and find one of these prayer partners. Let them know why you came up. If you you need to give your life to Jesus, let them know that. If you need hope, let them know that. And just let them pray with you today. Would you come? Here we go.